Stories of the human spirit. Candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The Law of Action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to the show, Action Takers. Glad to have you here. I am so excited about this guest. I kind of hijacked a show that she was on. And I don't know, I don't know if she's going to be in her best behavior today or not, but that's okay. It's okay. All right. So here's what I want to let you know about her. Her name is April Sprintz and she's a business accelerator and founder of Driven Outcomes. And what I really love about her is she is an action takers. And here's what's cool about her. It all started when she was nine years old and a successful businesswoman took an interest in her and changed the course of her life forever. Her investing time in April was an act of generosity that became her guiding principle in life and in business. And because of that, she is the creator of the generosity culture. She lives her dream helping innovators and leaders grow their businesses through pouring into their people, their clients, and their community. She's a proud veteran. Thank you. She served nearly seven years in the Air Force as a television news anchor and an executive producer. She's a graduate of the University of Maryland and holds an MBA from the University of Texas. And she's my new best friend. April, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. Oh, Rob, thanks for having me. And that last thing, your new best friend, man, I'm putting that on my bio. That's a big deal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, put on your bio. Your new best friend of Mr. Action. There you go. <laughs> I love it. Who wouldn't want Mr. Action to be their best friend? <laughs> oh, you're sweet. You're sweet. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so excited. So it started when you were nine years old. I want to hear this story. This is so exciting. I was looking over your website and I'm like, that is so cool. And the one thing that I didn't say was that you have, and I want to deal, dive deep into this. This is an action step. You have a billion dollars of new revenue based on your principles and your action. Like, that is so cool. Oh, thank you. It's awesome. I love it. I love the experience that people have gotten to have. And that action when I was nine years old was actually someone else's action, Rob. I had started my first business when I was six, but it was when I was nine years old that someone really showed me how much they cared. And it was the oddest person to do it because she was a relative stranger, the head of human resources where my mother worked. And my mom had self-identified as an alcoholic and been given the choice, look, you can go to rehab or we're going to have to let you go. But this woman came to our home to tell me in person because I was just a kid and to help explain things and smooth that transition that my mom was going to be gone and all of those things. But what she did that changed my life was say, April, I can just see something in you. You are special. I want to be your friend. I think you can do amazing things. 
And in that moment, I had just been waiting for someone who I viewed as successful, who had a life that I would want to have to say, yes, all these things you think are true. And I just ran with it. And she changed my life. Wow. Okay. So fast forward from nine years old. And then what was the, what happened? So where did things go from there? You're nine years old. You didn't start a multi-million dollar company. So how long did she stay in your life and, and how, how did things develop? She's still in my life. She is one of Love my it. closest friends. She just celebrated her 89th birthday. Wow, and so awesome. I, I call her my Aunt Sue. And no, I, I started starting businesses pretty quickly after that, right? So I did the babysitting route. I worked for Avon when I was 12. They didn't know I was 12. And I just kept going. I then went and was given the opportunity by Sue to have a two-week temporary position in the the business that she worked in, in the office. And I just kept doing things, to your point, taking action to get to that next step. Because while I don't believe this now, for probably the first 30-something years of my life, Rob, I was in a race. I don't know who I was in a race with, but I was going to beat them, and I was going to get there quickly. And there was a place where I felt like I was successful and secure, and I could rest. Well, I was in a race too, so we had similar similar paths. Well, um, I had a, a very troubled childhood, and I'm okay with that because I have thrived from that. I didn't get a lot of mm-hmm. mentorship, yeah. unfortunately. However, I had this entrepreneur streak in me where I was just talking about this the other day is I used to wash cars, and I used to wash cars, and I didn't like it. And so what I did was I had friends that were like, dude, how come you have money? Well, I'm washing cars. Well, we want to wash cars. So what I discovered, I charged $3 to wash a car. And I told my friends, I said, hey, what if I get you a buck 50 to wash this car? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> so I went out and got five of my buddies to all wash cars. And I made a dollar fifty. paid them all a dollar fifty each. They did a great job because they're like had money. And I discovered entrepreneurship. And even to the point of, you know, selling uh, Snickers bars and sodas at Boy Scout camp because I realized that they closed the um, the store early in the afternoon. And so I brought out sodas and Snickers. And to tell you how old I am, the Snicker bars back then used to be 25 cents. And I used to get them from uh, Price Club, which is now Costco, and used to get them oh, in a big box. They were probably yeah. like eight cents. And I sold them for a dollar. <laughs> it was amazing. All right, Robin, here's... <laughs> Wait, here's what I have to ask, okay? Yeah. I have to so you sold them for a dollar. How much were they at the store before the store closed? Oh, they were a quarter. Oh man. So so four hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. And and I, I, I didn't stay in Boy Boy Scouts much longer after that. But I learned entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I learned that, you know, and it's interesting because I, I am fascinated by entrepreneurship and in that you know, people say, oh, I charge 400%. I did. And I took every bit of allowance that I had to purchase it. And I took the labor to carry the cans and the, and the Snicker bars there. And I right. saw into the future what was going on. I saw a need and I filled it. And, you know, these, yeah, it was a lot of money and I made money. But and, you also, you also extorted your friends. Of course. <laughs> and... And I did it again 
in the summertime, and I learned that there is possible loss from business in that all of my Snicker bars melted. We went to the Colorado River, and I did the same thing, and I filled my backpack with Snicker bars and all kinds of chocolate, and it all melted. So my investment, I lost. And I learned a lesson from that. And I also... Yeah, and and I love what you have about the generosity culture. So now you know I, I was you know I was a I was a troubled 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 child, man. But now I understand adding incredible value. So I want people to win. I want things to be a fair exchange, and I want to hear more about the generosity culture because I think that's really important. I believe that we live in a world of abundance and not scarcity, and I believe that we are compensated in all different ways and not just monetarily. So tell us more about the generosity culture. Absolutely. So what I found over my life really demonstrated for me by Sue was that pouring into people, whether they be the the people that are on your team that are working for and with you or your clients or the community, when you pour in amazing things happen. Absolutely. So it, it was just the way that I did business. So whether I was in the service or when I was going into the corporate world and helping with client management, no matter what the problem was, my answer was, how can I help? Like, how can we help? And by approaching things that way, really unique and interesting things happened. It was easier for me to hire people than others. It was easier for me to build teams. It was easier for me to retain clients or gain new business. All of this because I was always looking for how could I help them? How could I do for them what Sue Harper had done for me? And it became so powerful that in every organization I worked for, I was able to rise to be the top salesperson, to rise to be the person that they called when there was a problem and it needed to be fixed. And what was great is I was also able to pull other people up with me because I could recognize, again, through the generosity culture of pouring into people and understanding what motivated them and what they really wanted for their career. I could help enable people to be more successful in their roles. So that just continued in my corporate career until I was part of a really successful startup. I was very fortunate to be recruited to a company called Encino. They actually had a a $7 billion IPO this past July. Wow. And I was one of the earliest employees before number 100, right? Yes. And it was just an amazing company. And they really just let you just go and do as much as you can and help the company grow and, and all of these things. And the more autonomy I had, the more I realized I wanted. So I loved what I was doing and helping the employees and the clients through my role there. But I realized I really wanted to do something bigger. I wanted to help more people than I could just help through that client. Go big or go home. Go big or go home. Yeah, it's a great way to live your life. Just like full out, full throttle in action. but it's not for the risk adverse because the way, like when people are like, wow, what was your plan? What was your exit strategy? How did you do this? I'm like, I'm kind of a build the plane in the air kind of person. <laughs> so once I made the decision and I told my leadership, I gave them about two months notice only because I was transitioning my clients and I needed to make sure they were taken care of. And I wanted to hand select the people that got them and those sorts of things and make sure that they were left in a great place. But then I didn't know what I was going to do. Rob, I literally started a company to help people. 
I love it. I, <laughs> I, was I, like, I, so I wonder what that entails. I love that. I was in radio and, you know, I learned a lot from my Boy Scout experience and I, you know, I grew up a little bit. And the one thing was, was I just wanted to deliver. Like I was so thrilled of being in radio. I mean, I, no matter what I did it and I moved up Mm -hmm. really fast and people really, I, I think that people miss this. If you put all of your attention on you, it really slow things slows things down. If you operate out of abundance, like there's enough for everybody. And my, you know, one of the way my life, oh man, it's got to be my mantra is that you know, rise the tide, so all ships rise. And if you mm-hmm. live your life that way, it's incredible. So example. Uh, Life Transformation Radio, which I interrupt, that's how I met April, is um, I recently purchased Life Transformation Radio from Sean Douglas. And so at the very end when we were transitioning, I just wanted to pop in and, and you know, let the listeners know, hey, I'm here and get a feel for my personality. <laughs> and I jumped in the middle of your interview with, with Sean. And what I love about it is that my purchase is based on rising the tide to, to all the ships rise so that everybody gets elevated. And it was an opportunity for me to give people that don't have large platforms a platform. You know, it's not just about the biggest celebrity or the biggest business person. Now, you're a pretty incredible business person, so you are you broke the mold on this one. But there are a lot of people would have stories that are transformational that need to be shared. And they don't have giant audiences and they just have a message that will have an impact on the world. And so when you're in this generosity culture of focusing on just like abundance and making a difference and not looking at what's in it for me, what's in it for me, the universe really returns the favor in incredible ways. I call this in, in my business, focusing on the H's, not the M's. Right. So the H's are the people helped, not not the M, the money earned. Yeah. So if you focus on the H's, not the M's, the M's are always taking care of themselves. And it's interesting because the people who don't believe that the people who their visceral reaction is that's not going to happen. That is telling you right there that you're in a scarcity mindset, because if you have the mindset that there is more than enough for all of us that will begin to appear in your life so much more quickly than you realize. Like a snap of a finger, like a snap of your finger, like that. And that's the, it's just incredible how fast your life can change. It can change really negative, really fast, and it can change positive just like that. And it's, it's overwhelming for people to think that that's even a possibility. And it is. It is, it is. And wow, I, I love this generosity culture. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank I, you know, you. I just, I read a little bit about you and then a little bit more about you and a little bit more about you. And then, you know, I did interrupt your, your interview. I heard a little bit from there and I love it. I'm looking at your website, more revenue, more clients, more growth. My favorite, more life balance like that is my favorite part, is balance. Because, you know, as an action taker, 
and you are and I am, people think that we're grinders and we're working all the time. And there are people. Oh, and I was. Yeah. For years, I was. I'm a re- I call myself a recovering grinder. Yeah. I know the pain. I know where they are. <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. It feels much better. When you're not oh, yeah. a grinder all the time that, you know, I had a near death experience. And when you face death and you're hoping to not die, you, you don't want to have regrets, but also you're like, wow, the one thing that I miss the most is the thought of not being with people again. That's the, that's the, what comes to your mind. If you're facing death, that's the one thing that's going to come to your mind. Not how big a house you have, not how fast of a car you have, not how much money you have, but am I ever going to see the people in my life that mean so much to me? So life balance is so, so important. So tell me more about life balance. How do you do life balance and what are some, some steps and, and uh, processes or procedures to have that? Well, I think it all comes back, Rob, just like I believe everything does, to mindset and understanding that the goal, the thing that you're trying to reach, as counterintuitive as it can sound, is not really what you want. You want to be able to enjoy that process because when you can, when you can really enjoy what you're doing, what's happening, the process that you're going through, then it's all fun. Instead of just getting that goal, that brief feeling of fun followed by, if anyone will admit this to themselves, that feeling of disappointment that I thought this would feel better. So what the process looks like is that I chunk out my calendar for the week and there are absolutely client meetings and things I'm doing and, you know, work on, on promoting my book and, you know, everything that I'm doing to move things forward, my podcast, et cetera. But I do it by colors and orange is my color for fun. And that is in there. And that is how I balance things. So whether it is Taekwondo or it is reading a book or playing with my dog, whatever I find fun in that moment, in that time is scheduled out because not only is that important for the way that I'm enjoying this journey of my life, but guess what? And this is the part that people have the harder time wrapping their head around, but this is really what gets my CEOs that I work with jazzed. You re-energize, and then those hours that you're in the meetings, that you're working on projects, that you're doing things for your business, you are, to your point, Rob, now taking inspired action, and you are a thousand times more effective. And so you're having more fun. You have more balance. You feel like you're working less, which you feel like you're getting away with something, right? Like the kid that had candy after the time you're not supposed to. And yet you're actually experiencing more success and things are just coming to you because I really believe that balance is part of the key to getting aligned. And you know, Rob, that alignment is what leads to all those things, the abundance, the fun. And when I say abundance, I don't just mean money. I mean friends, a good time and love and all of those things that are so important to you. That is how you get there. You slow down. And and I do with CEOs, I make them schedule fun, which sounds so funny. But they're so used to packing their schedules that the only way it happens at first for them to do this balancing is to put it in their schedule. And the only way that the generosity culture can permeate a business is if someone lives it. So the CEO has to have all of these elements in their own life in order to be able to model it for the employees. Yeah, you don't really think about it. So my good friend, Ed Rush, I just had him on Life Transformation Radio the other day. Incredible 
just an incredible businessman, incredible entrepreneur. Uh, he's a former uh, Top Gun pilot. I say former, but he's actually once a Top Gun pilot, you're always a Top Gun pilot. But he, you know, right. I, I was doing some coaching with him and he said, look, here's the deal. Um, you don't work on Sundays. Like you just don't work on Sundays. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. Uh, and I stopped working on Sundays and I thought the whole world was going to collide and I right. couldn't believe how rested I was on a Monday. I play on Sundays. And I always play on Friday afternoons. I go to happy hour with my friends every Friday now. And it's something I, I really look it. forward to. And what I do is I fear, and I'm just weird this way, is fear doesn't um, hold me back in that I don't run from pain I run towards pleasure. So what I do is I put wonderful things in my life in front of me, and that's my carrot. Because I run Love towards it. pleasure, I don't run from pain. Like it's, it's, it's unfortunately, pain doesn't motivate me. And I wish it did. Um, it doesn't. And so it... Why well, would you wish it did motivate you? I find it's much more powerful to run towards than to run away from. Exactly. And so when people are like, you know, there's a consequence. So like, for example, um, I wanted to get something done. Uh, I was cleaning out my garage and mm-hmm. I'm like, I, you know, I have ADHD and I, it's just, my brain just doesn't work to clean out my garage. It just doesn't. Well, um, my friend at the time, um, they create my friends, they created this amazing experience for me. Like amazing, something I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, wow, if you do this, you can have this. And I've tried for years to do this, never been able to. And because I was so motivated by the fun and the pleasure, I got it done. And it was amazing that I did that. So I find it fascinating how I really, and you know, the pain is I couldn't park my car in the garage. That was the pain. And it just wasn't motivated enough. But man, running towards a pleasure, I definitely do that. So self-care and taking time off really energizes you. And being with people, that's my monetary gain. Money is great. People is where it's all at. I love it. I love it. Well, and I think a lot of people who are what I term grinders, whether they realize it or not, they're actually grinding out of fear. Fear that if I don't do more than everyone else, I'm not going to be valued. Fear that my value is that I can do more than everyone else, right? Yeah. So regardless of what is motivating that, you've got to unpack it and understand what that is. But to your point, face that fear and just watch what happens. I love doing work with folks who are grinders today because just the enjoyment and the sheer wonder on their face when they start letting go of that rigid way that they have pushed themselves thinking that that is the only way they can be successful and just start to embrace the fact that it can be so much easier and it can be so much more fun. And oh, by the way, you're not going to lose money. You're going to probably end up making a lot more. Right. It's almost like they're in a pool and they're drowning and they think that they have to swim really, 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 really fast and really, really hard when they can actually just stop and lay on their back and float a bit and regain their energy to get to the side of the pool. 
Absolutely. And I was that person. You could not, Rob, have convinced me that I, I would have said, well, of course you want to float. Obviously, you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, it's not being lazy. Convince me. No, it's being smart. <laughs> well, it's funny so that I just came up with that in my brain. I was thinking to the point so I was caught in a rip current one time and I was mm-hmm. fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting to try and not die. And for some reason, I think it was my Boy Scout training, um, they said, you know, don't panic. And I laid on my back and I floated. And I'm not very good, but it gave me enough energy to where it took me far, far out into the ocean that I was able to swim back in. Um, And it was that moment of pause of like, I don't need to keep fighting, you know, you know, in, in a, in a dangerous situation, I tend to get really calm. Like if there's an emergency situation, I get really calm. People panic. You can't focus. You can't get stuff done. I think it's like everything, you know, your brain is in a blender when you're moving that fast. And, you know, they call me Mr. Action. I move really fast. However, I have inspired action. That makes sense. Completely makes sense. And I want to ask you a question. So the law of action is based on decide, plan, and act. People decide to do something, they plan to do something, then they take immediate immediate action. So I want to ask you, when in your life have you decided to do something, you've planned to do something, and you've taken massive inspired action, and just tell me what a great win you had from that. Okay, so my first caveat, Rob, is going to be that I don't use the process correctly. I decide, act, and adjust. <laughs> okay, well, so you can. So for you, April, you can decide, plan, act, and then you can adjust. So just in the grand okay. scheme of things, you decided to do something, you planned it out, and then you immediately took action. Sure. I decided when I was very young and looking to go to college and how to pay for it and the the scholarships that I wanted I didn't get and the scholarships I got I didn't want put it that way and had started going to college the traditional way and found out about the military in a class at night going to night school and I was like oh I'm gonna do that so I went to the recruiter the next day and I said hey I want to be a broadcaster let's figure out how to do this let's make this happen the day after that I quit my job and said I was going into the air force and it literally talked to no one, just decided this is the right thing for me. They're going to pay for school. I'll be able to be a broadcaster. This is the right thing. I actually tell this entire story in, in my book, Magic Blue Rocks. Now, I'll tell you, it ended up being amazing. But in between that, and I think this part is important because everyone thinks that, oh, the moment I start doing this and I take this inspired action, everything is going to go perfectly. That's where mindset comes in because there are times that it doesn't go perfectly in that moment, but you've got to trust that it is working for you instead of happening to you. And I failed my first broadcasting audition (gasps) and I was like, I put all my eggs in this basket. I'm doing this and it's not happening. And, you know, as a kid, because I'm 19 years old at this point, I didn't take it well. Like it, that sat me back on my butt. (laughs) But what's interesting is I then had the recruiter come to me and ask me, 
to help someone else audition because no one had ever done it before I did it. But it's kind of like when you ran the four minute mile, when somebody decides we're going to audition for this, somebody else wants to do it. And this is where I fell back on that, those principles of the generosity culture. Cause here I was literally swimming in my failure because I'm still reeling from it. And I'm asked to help someone else accomplish a dream that I couldn't do. And I said, yes, I'd love to. Because for whatever reason in that moment, I thought if I can't have it, I want to help somebody else get it. So I went through the process of helping this kid audition. He was a lot like you, Rob. He had an amazing voice. He was really great. And he had done radio in high school. And I asked him if he was nervous about doing the audition. He said, no, I was nervous about the process. And they said, you were really good at doing the process. He said, but I got to tell you, I don't know why you failed the audition. The things they said about your voice aren't true. They said my voice was very nasal and tinny. He said, I really think you should do it again. I think there might have been a mistake. And that comment sat with me to the point that I took that audition to an actual news a news broadcaster that I knew, a reporter, and asked her if I could maybe take vocal exercises or she could help me. She took it to a producer and an engineer who said, hell, where'd you record that? And what, were you in an empty room on a boombox? Yes, because yeah. we didn't know anything about broadcasting. So that's why I'd failed. And so what's amazing is then I auditioned and I not only made it into broadcasting, I was the top graduate from school. I was the number one broadcaster in in Europe and then in the Air Force and did Air Force News. That became amazing. The reason I chose that story instead of telling you one that had no strife in it is that the fact that that strife was there made those victories so much sweeter and made me realize how important it really was to me that I was willing to go through that failure and keep trying. And the fact that when you're in your toughest place, but you take that focus outside of you and you look to how you can be of value to someone else, it's amazing how sometimes that will benefit you even more than if you had just stuck with trying to solve your own problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I may have to change it to, from decide, plan, act to decide, plan, act and adjust because it, there's part <laughs> of that, but you know, it's, it's, it's decide, plan, act. So we are fellow broadcasters. Very cool. I don't think you have an easily voice. I think you have a great voice. And that's one of the things I'm just like very endeared about you. I'm like, I like her voice. She's cool. And she's got a cool personality. So thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate that. So the other question is, this is a hard one. You've okay. got, you got to listen carefully. I'm ready. All right. There's decide, plan, and act. And what happens is people decide, they plan, and then they plan some more, and they plan some more, and they plan some more. And they think it's it's uh, procrastination or just not enough information. However, 99% of the time, it's based on fear. So the question is, when in your life did you decide to do something you plan to do something, and you continue to plan and plan and plan and plan. And because of fear, whether it's fear of success or fear of unworthiness or what have you, you didn't act, and what was the consequence? Oh, that's a really good one. So I don't know that I get stuck so much in the planning part because I try not to focus very much on the how. 
because I feel like the hows are where people talk themselves out of things. Yeah. Right. How is that going to work? How will I pay for that? How can I really do this if I don't have the experience? So I have often been of the mindset of screw the how. I know what I want. I'll figure it out. But I will tell you a time when I definitely let the fear keep me from doing something. So and this is something I've never shared with anyone else, and this is super vulnerable, but I think it is really Thank important you. for people to know these kinds of things. So when I got out of the Air Force and I'd gone into the corporate world and I was no longer doing broadcasting, I'd started working in business, I was offered a really cool opportunity. I actually had folks at MTV track me down and call and ask me if I would like to be the then reporter that covered the election from the MTV portion of the coverage, right? Because that was when they they still did things like that. I don't think they do anymore. Yeah, I don't think they play any music at all. I don't know what they do anymore. (laughs) But they were like, you know, it doesn't pay very much, but it's, it's an it's amazing exposure. It's it's really good stuff to do. And you know, would you be interested in doing this? And I I got stuck in the planning of two things. One, I just didn't know. Like it was only a year, right? Right. There was no plan after that. There was no trajectory. Whereas in the company where I was, I had you know the opportunity to advance and there was some stability and there were some things like that from a a monetary standpoint. But the real reason, if I'm being honest and vulnerable with people, is when I first got out of the military because I wasn't in such a structured environment and I wasn't working out the way that they had me, I'd put on like 15 pounds. And Rob, I let the fear of looking fat on TV keep me from taking an amazing broadcast opportunity. And I say that One, because how silly, because probably, you know, at that point, 15 pounds one way or the other really wouldn't have mattered because of the size that I was, right? I'm in my early 20s. You're very small at that point in your life, right? Right. Um, I wasn't, it was a very weird thing. And, but it's so important that people understand that fear can keep you from amazing experiences and opportunities. I have no idea what would have happened if I had gone and done that. I don't regret it now because I love the path that I'm on. Right. What I do regret is that I didn't choose not to do that. I was too scared to try. Right. Well, let's look into our crystal ball and what, just look at the possibility of what your future would have looked like had you been on MTV. Just think for a moment. Like, just think. Mm-hmm. What What do you see that didn't come your way? And it's just a different path. You're, I mean, you're incredibly successful, but just I want, I want to just dive into where fear will stop you. And there's a consequence by letting fear stop you because most people, you know, you didn't want to look fat. So let's just say that. You didn't want to look fat, so that was the fear. And because of that, you didn't even do it. And that changed the whole trajectory of your life. So looking at it, what do you think your life could have been like had you been on MTV? Where do you think things would have taken you? So here's what's interesting. I view this very differently from other people because people see choices like this and whether you do or you don't as a fork in the road and then your life is completely different. I don't believe that your life works that way. I believe that there is a path of least resistance to what you want 
And then I believe that you can make choices that make it harder to get there. Right. Yeah. So interestingly, I still ended up doing many of the things that I would have ended up doing had I done that MTV thing. Right. Right. Still ended up with a podcast. I still ended up doing lots of TV interviews. I still ended up in that world again. Although now I have a really strong business acumen and I'm able to help people in a different way. So personally, what I believe is that it's not a fork in the road. It's like if you're driving a huge cruise ship. And it's a few degrees to the left or a few degrees to the right. So you're going to get there differently. But what I would leave people with is, yes, if you allow fear to keep you from making a choice, you're going to miss an opportunity. But the moment you recognize that and own it, other opportunities are going to appear for you and you can grab that one because you can learn what you didn't get in the earlier one and you can still get there. I don't believe I'm actually in any different of a place than I would have been. I believe the journey was different. Absolutely. And when you decide to plan and you act, it creates a momentum in your life and the universe takes note of that and your life becomes better. And what I love, you know, what you said is it's not necessarily a fork in the road. And the thing is, an incredible opportunity comes across your desk and comes in front of your life every two weeks. Like, really, you, you need to know that. When you live a life of inspired action and really understand the law of abundance and not scarcity, that they're not missed opportunities. It's kind of like, you know, I didn't have Chinese food today, but I can go have Chinese food another day. And opportunity is all around you. And what it takes is for you to be the best person you can possibly be and be generous in your time, in your love, in your affection, and be generous in your self-care of you to get to where you want to get. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you talk about fear. So what are some mindset or steps or processes that someone can take to overcome their fear? So the first thing I will tell you is to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And this works best if you start with smaller fears. Absolutely. Don't necessarily go do skydiving tomorrow if that's your biggest (laughs) fear. But do it with the little things that you're afraid of. I'll play games with myself, Rob, where I'll be like, ooh, this makes me nervous. I'm going to do it right now. Yeah. And, ooh, this is something that feels really big. And I, I had someone come to me with the idea that they really thought I should write a book last August about my life stories, about the things that I've gotten through and how that changed my mindset and how that helped my success. And when he said it to me, I found it terrifying. So I started on it the next day. Because I thought, you know what? This is a real thing. So little exercises, little things like that are a great process. And here's the other thing. This is the really, really incredibly interesting thing about fear. The feeling that you have, the scariness, the fear before you do whatever it is, is always, always, always much more intense and much scarier than the actual experience. Absolutely. And if you think about the things that you've done that you're afraid of, you'll remember this. This has applied to me, whether it was jumping off a 40-foot cliff in Hawaii to get into the ocean, right, to like have that experience, or being shot at when I was in the military. The fear of it before it happened was so much worse than the experience. So if you're feeling fear about something, 
and you think about, oh man, it's not actually going to be as bad as this, that gives you the courage to move forward. And if you do that over and over again, you become desensitized to that feeling to where sometimes you'll realize you're not actually afraid, Rob. You're nervously excited. Absolutely. It's a mindset mindset shift. An example of that. So I love speed. Like you can put me in a race car and I can go 145 miles an hour in a stock car um, at NASCAR. I've done that. It's amazing. I mm-hmm. love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And I am incredibly afraid of heights, like just afraid of heights. I fell off a roof one time, and actually I didn't fall off the roof. I fell over the top of a three-story roof. I got carried away by some wind, and I was in radio at that time, and I was being held by my legs as I fell over the over the edge. Very scary. Um, the guy, J.R. Rogers, saved my life. Never forget that. And so because of that, I look straight down and I don't like heights. Um, I was encouraged to go into this flying trapeze school recently. And uh, it took me 21 minutes. I have, the, I have the record, the 21 minutes to go from the bottom all the way up the 40-foot ladder to the top. And um, I was terrified. I was with a lot of my women friends and they were just like cheering me on and laughing at the same time. And it was just like ego was involved and all this stuff. And, you know, my hands are shaking right now. It was terrifying, but I was going to get up there and I got up there. And when you're in a flying trapeze, you have to, you have a belt. And there was just this young girl up there that probably was, you know, 91 pounds soaking wet and she was my safety monitor. <laughs> she was going to hold me. And I'm too, um, <laughs> I was like, I was like 100, I'm 190 pounds. And so the way it works is you have to lean over at the top and they hold you. But the, the worst part is I finally got up to the top and I'm yelling at them. I'm like, whose crazy idea is it to have a clear plexiglass base? Because here I walked up this thing and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to be on solid ground. I'll be okay. And it was a little windy and it was scary. And I'm sitting up there and he goes, dude, you got to you got to do this. You got to jump. And I'm like, oh my God. And in order to do it, you have to lean out. It's an unnatural thing over the ground from the right. ledge. It's small and they hold you and you're at a vertical level. So, you know, like if you have ski boots on, you can lean forward. You have to mm-hmm. do that to grab the bar, and then you have to straighten your arm, and I'm doing it now. My hands are just going crazy, and <laughs> I couldn't do it, and Marco, the guy of uh, Trapezius, he's like, Rob, I need to let you know something. There is no way that you are in any more danger and you cannot be any more afraid right now than you are right now. So your option now is to lean over, grab the bar, and jump. And man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I've lived a different life based on that. You cannot be any more afraid, and you're in no more danger. And when you realize that point, there's a sense of calm. And like, you can't be any more afraid. And I'm like, yeah, I can't be any more afraid. I'm already as afraid as I possibly am. And 
the danger is already there. I'm already up there. I'm on a plexiglass thing. Anything could happen, and there's no more danger. And it was kind of like the world stopped, and I'm just like, oh, okay. And I leaned over, and I did it. And it was amazing, and just just that. And now when i in business or whatever's going on in my life, when you know that you accomplished a big fear and overcame a big fear, that will get you across the finish line. And the way to do that is, like you just said, April, is to go and break through those little fears, building blocks. You're in martial arts. I'm in martial arts. It's all about foundation to get to your higher rank belts. So build your foundation of overcoming fear and You can live an extraordinary life of inspired action, being generous, being living in harmony with abundance and not scarcity. And uh, it's, as you say in your book, Magic Blue Rocks, it's the secret to doing anything. It really is. And it sounds so simple, but if you think about it, the simplest things aren't easy. They're powerful and amazing. And this is really something that if you grab onto and you make it your purpose to really invest in doing this in your life, you'll become unstoppable. Absolutely. And you are unstoppable. And I'm thrilled that you have taken time out of your busy, busy schedule. I hope I'm in the orange. I hope this is considered the orange, the fun zone for being here today on the Living the Love Action Show. The orange zone. I want to see. I want a screenshot. I'm in April's orange zone. (laughs) I love it. Okay. I love it. So I love your, it. your book is Magic Blue Rocks. I'm sure it's available on Amazon and everywhere else. And how does someone get a hold of you? So the great thing is there are no other April Sprints in the United States. I don't no. think there are any other April Sprints <laughs> in the world. So I'm really easy to find on social. My handle is always my name. And of course, you can go to my website, Driven Outcomes, where you can reach out to me directly. And I would love to link up with anyone and offer any help that I can. She's super cool. And she's my new best friend. April, thank you so much for being here on the Living the Law of Action show. Thank you, everybody, so much for your support and taking time out of your busy and precious day to listen to me and, of course, April. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me, along with April, to touch your heart and help you live a life of inspired action. Remember, take time out to breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Decide, plan, act. You got this. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actis. Please rate, review, and subscribe.